What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Three Rivers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Pittsburgh sports. It's not your father's Pittsburgh sports talk. We bring you unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic Pittsburgh sports talk weekly. I'm your host, Cruz Shoemaker, here with the ringer, Andrew Singo. What's up, guys? And first-round draft pick, special guest referee of the day, our good friend, Jordan Sanner. Hey, guys. This is episode three of the Three Rivers Podcast, and on our plate for this week, we will be discussing the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason. The Penguins were bounced in the first round to the New York Islanders last week, and we need to figure out where they need to go from here. After that, we will be looking at the Pirates, where they now stand in their current position, and is reality setting in for this lineup. Then also, we will look at some of the recent trades of the past couple seasons, and are they paying off, or were they duds? Then, to wrap up the episode, our thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers draft choices. Remember, if you're listening on Google Play, Apple Podcast, or YouTube, please subscribe, smash the like button, and follow us on Twitter at Three Rivers Pod or Instagram at Three Rivers Pod, and also on Facebook at the Three Rivers Podcast Facebook page. And let's kick things off, guys, with the Penguins off-season talk. As we know, the Islanders kind of spanked them. I didn't want to really get into it right after they lost. I thought it'd be good to sit back and kind of let us collect our thoughts a little bit about it, not come into it with more more of a disdain talk and actually have more of a clear head. So I thought it was good that we had the Easter break and then we also worked on our other podcasts in that time so we could kind of clear our heads a little bit. But the uh, biggest thing I want to bring up in the topic, um, there's a trend for some teams with the Red Wings, Blackhawks, and Kings that after they won the Cup, they've actually kind of fallen off the radar now. Um, and how can the Penguins kind of avoid that? Uh, Andrew, what's your thoughts on the Penguins if they can – avoid the kind of old team kind of hits the end of the road. And and is there any way you can actually reinvigorate life into some longevity for Crosby's career here as it comes to the end, or are we near the end? So I don't want to say you have to go into a a soft rebuild because the rebuild implies that you're essentially giving up for the future because, but they're not, but something Something's got to change and something substantial has to change. And to be fair, I don't think that we need to overreact. I get we got swept in the first round. I think that the attitude of of the team, the effort wasn't there. I mean, most of these guys are two years out from winning back-to-back cups. Uh, we we retain most of that team. I get they're all two years older, but do we really need to completely overhaul the team? Probably not. I honestly don't think they're going to. I, there was news a news article today saying that Latang and Malk, Malkin are officially on on the block too as possible moves. But technically, in any sport, everybody's available for the right price. So that's really not saying anything, in my opinion. Sure, and I think I want to touch on though. That's where I want to throw up the caution flag where Detroit hang, hung on to those guys because, well, we're winning with them, we're winning with them, we're winning with them. And then they kept hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And then as they retired as Red Wings, all of a sudden the Red Wings had no one to replace them. Is it better to use these assets now in their early 30s as trade potential for younger assets to help fill that void? And maybe you have to sacrifice next season or something where you're not going to be as good to give an extra five years. And the same with... Um, the Kings and the Blackhawks, they also have those similar scenarios. They won the cup, um, held on to that team, 
tried to re-sign those players and then miss the playoffs or get bounced first round. Jordan, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think the Red Wings held on to guys for way too long. Right. Those guys were 35, 36, mm-hmm. and they were playing the defensemen they had when they were winning cups were 40. Right. Um, I don't think the Penguins are quite in that scenario. Um, I just don't see them moving Malkin no matter what. I don't sure. think he'll let it, ha- let it happen just because he was so upset about when they had to move Yager. Right. And he's regretted that ever since. So Gino's not going anywhere. Um, Phil's obviously probably going to go. Sure. That's going to be your move. Um, Latang, you're not going to get equal value right. unless a team like Nashville, who's for some reason shopping P.K. Subban, is like, hey, change the scenery like they did with uh, Shea Weber. Mm-hmm. That's really the only thing you can see that you could get for him. The big thing, I think, would be moving Phil, getting cap space. and Money-wise, they don't have near as much money tied up in their top two, three stars as what the Blackhawks did, mm-hmm. where they're paying Taves and Kane $12 million a year. Right. And Taves is out there giving you, you know, 40, 50 points. Right. So I don't think that's the case. Um, the Kings, a little more likely. Uh, they were not that old of a team when they were making their run, but they were no. a hot goalie. Right. Which is exactly what the Penguins did, you know, both years. Sure. Flurry carried, you know, carried the mail the second year until right until Murray got healthy and the first it's actually, Murray it's, got hot. It's funny you bring up that because there's a lot of times where the Flurry-Murray debate comes up and I always laugh. I'm like, does anyone realize that, like, Flurry was just as much a part of the 17 team as yeah. Matt Murray was? Like, it, and, like... I don't want to, like, bash on Murray. He hasn't lost on the series the last two years. But also, vice versa, he didn't do enough to steal any of the, any of the series. No. So, like, yeah, I'm not saying Matt Murray's a bad goalie, but if I watch some of the other playoff games right now, there's goalies going out there and stealing it. You know, they're... Peter Mrazek just had a 34 save shutout. Right. He's a career backup. Sure. To be fair, though, does Peter Mrazek have Jack Johnson playing in front of him? No. No, and I think that goes into talking, you know... Where the Penguins were two years ago versus where they were today defensively. Before the coal trade, there's still a lot. Like, after the coal trade, I still feel like they haven't been able to rebuild a defense to be effective. And you had Rutherford coming out after the season saying this is the best defensive team he's had. Which is just... Which is obviously BS. false. I mean, like, but he on. usually isn't the type of guy to mince to BS. Like, he's. I think he honestly believes that because he he's pretty much the one that's got. Like he said, like he, changes are going to happen, and he usually says things and means them. So he must honestly think that this is the best defense they have. Maybe they have guys with the potential. Like, I mean, you know, Dumoulin's a great defensive defenseman, and you know, Latang's a great defenseman when he's on, and you know what Schultz can do. And you know what you think Pedersen can do. Uh, I, don't I guess if you're looking at it from their draft round. Right. Yeah, sure. It's a great yeah. it's a great decor we, if you look at the round all the guys were drafted in. The the big thing is the NHL now is about puck movement and mm-hmm. speed. And I'm sorry, Eric DeBranson was solid for the Penguins. But he but are does you not win? fit that mold. Right. Are you gonna you know, win long term He's Garanson? He's great on a bottom pair if he's one point five million right. a year. Right. At you know, he's Right here, I see him. He is at $4 million a year, and he's mm-hmm. got to be a bottom pair guy. Right. And you have Johnson, who's at three, who's a bottom pair guy. You got two of the same player. Sure. For $7 and million. Whereas I felt like the team, honestly, played, they played better with a guy like Chad Ruedel in the lineup who right. could skate and get out of his own end. Right. I mean, the big thing in the NHL today, too, is, is exploiting the rookie contracts and trying to get as much potential before you have to pay anyone. That's in every sport. Now. Well, yeah, or absolutely, every sport. But I, and I think the Penguins, too, the money with the defensemen – 
I look at it as they have a cap they got to hit, like whatever those guys are on their roster. I'm not going to worry about how much they make versus their production. Like it's whatever they're on the team. It is what it is. One thing I do think with the D talk, like you said, in today's NHL, I noticed a lot in the recent games I've been watching, you know, Sullivan is correct. The D pinching down is the new system. Because what I see a lot too is they'll battle in the bottom corner on a far side and they kind of overload with all their forwards and they leave that off defenseman way over on the boards and then they hard wrap it. He comes down and meets it about the hash marks and it gets everyone to scramble and the defensive end to get back in position to cover him. And it leaves usually someone open where they can get a bang, bang play, but you have to have quick enough defensemen to get down, make that one play and then be able to get back out where when you have, like you said, if Cabranson's flying down that wall or, or um, Johnson, they're not going to make no. a correct play, number one, because they're not even, like, they don't have the quickness to think about the great play. And then when they do make the bad play and it turns over, they don't have the speed to get back yeah. and cut, catch anybody. All they're going to do is hit you two seconds after you got <laughs> right. and already made the play. Right. And one of the best teams to watch in the playoffs right now as far as, you know, making those pinches and even getting out of their own end easily, Columbus. Oh, yeah. The guys on their back end, they're big, they can skate, mm-hmm. and they have their head up and make good plays. Yeah, I've been very yeah, Guys like Seth Jones, Ryan Murray, mm-hmm. they – they just if they make mistakes, they're back and the other D man's got them covered. Absolutely. And that's just not what the Penguins have had. No, I agree. And that's where I think looking at this, you know, I think we should go over. Um, Jordan and you brought up we uh, when we were going over this episode if to do elimination, but then also not really exactly who replaces the players, but what type of player you think should be a reasonable replacement for each one if we say they got to go. Because I think that's only fair. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say subtraction if you don't have addition. Right. So, um, yeah, I think we can look at putting on a little GM cap here um, if you guys want. I think we're all in agreement, though. Um, there's This is a very pivotal offseason, I think, for them going forward if they want to try to not fall into that trap where they become the really too much of an old man team and, and try to hang on to the... Detroit Red Wings. And, and to give the Red Wings credit, they went to the playoffs with 22 straight years, something like that. So it did pay off for 22 years for them, but also those pre-salary cap. Then when salary cap hit, they did overpay too long to try to be the nice, generous people. And I, I do feel today you you got to cut ties that when it's the time's right. So let's, let's just go over the roster. Um, I don't know in order to start or anything, but I just have a roster here. So um, we'll start with the top name on this one. Um, it's going by alphabetical order from the last name. So it's Zach Ashton Reese at 24 years old. I don't think he has to go anywhere, obviously, at that. Um, he's an RFA, I believe. Yeah, he's an RFA. They're going to bring him back. They right. like him. He, he's going to give you bottom six minutes, and if people get hurt, has the potential skill to hang on a top six, you know, top six role for a couple games. So, Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think he's definitely safe. The next one on the list, Nick Bukestad. I don't think really Obviously, much has to be said there either. He's only 26 years old. Um, but I do think what role do we <clears throat> want to see him at next year? Is he third-line center, or, or would you guys try to think of him being maybe a top six forward? What's your thoughts, Jordan? I feel like he's going to have to play third-line center just because the only other option you're really going to have there is McCann. And right. I feel like McCann should probably play – Top of Sid, things. honestly. Yeah. Sure. Him, Gensel, and Sid That's tore it up when they were together. And Bukestad, he's not as physical as you would think he would be for as big as he is. Right. Um, and I feel like he doesn't quite have the, the finish to play on the top six, you know, top six role. But if you can get him to use his reach and everything, he's good at face-offs. Let him be that third-line center. Right. See, that's where, in my mind, though, if they could find a different person to be third-line center, 
via offseason. I would like to see him become maybe a Hornquist replacement and Hornquist be out of the lineup if that could be a perfect world scenario, but yeah. I don't know if that could be a perfect world scenario because I think he could be a good replacement for doing what Hornquist does to be in the in-front presence. And I think he actually has so- softer hands in front than Hornquist. Mm-hmm. Um, he just unfortunately playing the third-line role, yeah. the third-line center role last year, he wasn't going to be as flashy on the highlights, but I think he could have a potentially bigger role in my opinion, but uh, time could tell. On that, uh, next one on the list is a guy that I thought had a nice little introductory year in Teddy Bluger, 24-year-old young center. Um, Jordan, what do you think about Teddy Bluger? Um, he has to be your fourth-line center. Yeah. He yeah. has to. Um, right. And honestly, he's a guy that if Bukestad isn't doing what you want him to and you don't acquire mm-hmm. another center, he can play third-line center and give you, I think, everything that Bukestad does and then some. So he's young. He's cheap. Right, he's also an RFA. He's an RFA, but he's not going to get more than a million. Right, he hasn't done anything else to prove anything. He's the type of player that the team needs to play to win with, just like Rust and those guys were a couple years ago. Andrew, what do you think about Bluger? One hundred percent stay. I mean, right, there's no way you're going to let him walk. Next guy on the list is your typical uh, call into the sports show. Got to get rid of this guy, Sidney Crosby. Got to get rid of that Sidney Crosby. <laughs> yeah, got to get rid of that guy. He's I'm, done. I'm not even going to skip. Uh, Matt Cullen's on the list. He's uh, probably gone yeah. from the league. Right? He's old. <laughs> we would say he's probably out of the league now at this point. I don't. He did say he might want to play another year, but it shouldn't be. Would the Penguins point. want him to play another year for them at this point? Uh, they really shouldn't have this past year, and they did. So then it was again, like, yes, they did. And it was the like greatest hits tour, right? Is he like the Craig Adams? Oh. No, Dominic Osmo? Simone is the Craig. Yes, Adams. yes, true, true. Um, Matt Cullen, I think, would be gone. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, replacement-wise, we've already kind of talked about that. Teddy Bluger. That's yeah. internal. So All that's day. yeah, that's easy. I think there. Uh, Casey DeSmith's on the list. Um, he's their signed backup. He started out the year really good, and then second half of the year looked like a backup goalie. Um, but I think he's a fine backup goalie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel good with him as as their backup and everything like that. I think that's a, that's. That's a good guy to have, you know. It's you don't want to get caught out because Murray's always one injury away. <laughs> he, for one, one something away, he seems like he's always right. Hurt, so. Right. What do you think about the Smith? Yeah, he's he's a great backup goalie. I mean, as far as what you can ask for for you know what he's going to play, he's going to play thirty ish games a year. He's going to give you a shot to win most of them. Um, I hold him higher than Tristan Jari. I feel like Jari's younger and. You know, you might actually get something for Jari. You're not going to move to Smith. So. Right. Uh, next on the list, Brian Dumoulin. I think he's solidified himself, obviously, as their top shutdown number one defenseman that they like going forward. So, I mean, I don't think there's much to discuss right. there. Now he's not going anywhere. Dif- uh, differ there. Um, then Gabranson's on the list. Jordan, what do you think on Gabranson? He's going to stay because I don't think there's another team in the NHL that's going to take that. Right. <laughs> that being said, he was way, way better than advertised when he came in. He was said to be the worst defenseman in the league by far. Sure. And he came in and was pretty serviceable playing with Patterson. So. And right. He has that, you know, he was able to be that guy that Jamie Alexiak ended up not being able to be this kind of that tough guy enforcer mm-hmm. role at times. And I hate to say it, but you still got to have someone in it. I don't like it, but you have to have someone there to do that. Right. Back. Yeah. I think the biggest thing next year with the defense, with Gabranson still being on it, is maybe they pull something around the trade deadline if they're feeling like they need that other defenseman and then he 
fills in as the seventh defenseman that can fill the rotation on under injuries. I just don't know if they can win with Gabranson and Johnson both on the just, roster. And you you said about money, but to have seven million dollars a year wrapped up into those two right. is I know it's, not it's a, good a tough look. it's a tough pill. Especially yeah, when it's pill. their moves that your GM willingly made. Right. Like I don't I don't hate Gabranson, but it's Today's NHL, does he fit to succeed whenever playoff time comes around? I don't know. I, but, yeah, he'll be on the team for sure. Um, the next one on the list obviously isn't going anywhere either. Jake Gensel, 40-goal um, season, hardly on a power play, tremendous. I don't think there's anything to discuss there. Um, he solidified himself as Sidney Crosby's Robin, so that's – I don't think much talk. But the next one on the list, Patrick Hornquist. Um, Jordan, what do you think about Patrick Hornquist? He's going to stay, but he should probably. <laughs> right. Know. The, I, know. It, I mean, the injuries that with the type of game he plays, it reminds me a lot of what happened to Red Wing, Johan Franz, who mm-hmm. was yeah. a great net front guy, mm-hmm. couple concussions and everything, and that grit's not there anymore. You're not, you're just not making the plays. And right. He's, I don't know if you're going to be able to replace him. I don't know if you're going to find a team to take him. Right. So he also has a no trade clause. Mm-hmm. Right. And as does half the team at this point. Right. right. And I mean, he's also one concussion away from being done. Yeah. And I think if you look at when Sidney Crosby had his concussion slash neck injuries, he said the hardest thing about coming back at one point was going to the front of the net and scoring those goals. That's his, that's his office too, to score goals. That's, and he was, but he was struggling when he came back to score goals and he was shooting the puck from, you know, 20 feet out all the time. And then he finally migrated his way back in. But does Hornquist have that enough, uh, you know, that much time left in his career to find himself back in or not? And that's the thing. If he's not in the Before paint the, scoring goals, he's right. bringing nothing to the table. He, mm-hmm. He's not fast enough to really right. get in and forecheck. He's a net front he runs, presence. He starts, sure. what, probably three more years? He, they just signed him last year to a yeah. three-year extension after yeah. this year. Yes, I think unfortunately he's stuck on the team until the end. I mean, I, I always like I always love Hornquist. No, I like him a lot too. Right. But it's just he's one of those older yeah. contracts that ends up hurting him. Yeah. It's a bad situation. Those are the type of guys that I feel like you make the mistake hanging on to. Mm-hmm. It's not your Crosby's. It's like a loyalty thing right. to him too. It's like we we have to show this loyalty to them for you know what they've done for us, and I think that's. You know, it's nice. They wanna, it's nice, <laughs> but, but business it's business is business, right? Yeah, he's the one that I wish they could find a way out of, like I said, because I think Bukestad could end up actually being the guy that you replace his role with, but unfortunately I think he'll uh, stick. Uh, the next one on the list, Tristan Jari. Uh, Jordan, what's your thoughts on Tristan Jari? And they talked about him a little bit there. I mean, he's he's 23 years old. You really can't stash him in the minors anymore. You need to start bringing up another younger goalie. Um, I feel like you try to move him for something. If the team gives you a late draft pick, you take it, but there's teams out there always looking for a decent backup, and he is a decent backup. So, yeah, I think time's still to tell on his career. Um, in terms of you know, if he finds the right situation, maybe he does turn into a one A. But the right situation isn't Pittsburgh, I don't think, at this point in time. So, moving him would be, in my opinion, the smartest decision they could make at this point. Um, next on the list, Jack Johnson. What do you guys think on Jack Johnson? <sighs> Strap him to a rocket and send him to the moon. <laughs> Singo, what do you think on Johnson? I mean, he was obviously not very good last year, but then it seemed like in in the second half there, when Latang went down, it, it, his play changed a little. Whenever they simplified the game, he really wasn't that bad. Uh, I'm not 
going to say I want him out there any, on anything other than third-pairing minutes. But at the same time, if, if he accepts his role in that regard and they can get productive minutes. But like Jordan said, the problem is, do you really want to be paying third your third-pairing defenseman $7 million between the two of them? Sure. But your thing is, you're not going to get him to go anywhere unless, unless magically we're able to trade him like we did before Scuderi. Like, we can get rid of Scuderi for daily or whatever. Yeah, that was some magic. magic. Yeah, I don't... I mean, maybe <laughs> there's some voodoo magic that we'll be able to pull, like, like freaking Ryan Murray or something. from. But I th- also, I think Ryan Murray is a free agent this coming year. But uh, anyway, we, we better just hope for magic on that one or hope that he accepts his role and is able to play like he did down the, down the stretch where he was solid mm-hmm. while McLeton was out. Yeah, and that... And bringing up what Rutherford said there with that D core being what he figured was the best from like the time he was there. It was I was very interested to hear from Sol or from Sullivan and Rutherford at the exit kind of interviews there because I wanted to see I always felt like they weren't on the same page for the team that Rutherford was building versus the style that Sullivan wanted, but then they both like kinda came out and smiled and put on the face that they were. So that that threw a curveball into my thoughts, because my thoughts were the fact that like the Johnsons and Gabransons were not what Sullivan really wanted, but that's what Rutherford wanted. But then at the same time, they're kind of telling everybody, no, we we're both on par with this. We like this, and it, but it confuses me because my problem with Johnson Gabranson, like they need good partners with them, but at the same time. You know, is it is it better to even have Ricola in the lineup versus those two just for the well, fact of mobility? You don't want to put a boat anchor on a Ferrari, right? No. Right. I mean, I don't. It's just long term that decor does bother me because of the fact of how the playoffs went. Then, yeah, end of the regular season, I was like, well, they're playing better or whatever. You know, this, maybe this is a good thing. And then the playoffs happen and they didn't win a game. And then you look at it. Well, that I mean, obviously they weren't good offensively in the series, but defensively they still. It just didn't look good either. So I don't know. It's tough with Johnson. He's, he's not probably going anywhere, like you said, unless there's some voodoo magic thing that can happen again, uh, which is tough. Now, next on the list is a big time uh, talk for the offseason, every offseason. <laughs> Pretty much for some reason, he's been going to be traded every offseason the last like three years is Phil Kessel. Uh, Jordan, your thoughts? Uh, Phil's going to go. He. <laughs> He's not going to be replaceable because he's a point-of-game player for $6.8 million. You're not going to find that anywhere else. That being said, the team, you know, as is going into next year, is over the cap. Mm-hmm. And you've got to make space, and you have more holes to fill. Um, it, I feel like he has to go. It, it sucks that he's going to go because everybody loves Phil Castle. Right. But you you have to move him at this point. Mm-hmm. You can't hang on to him. Singer, what do you think? I agree with that. I, I really don't want to see him go, but I think he's the one that makes the most sense. Uh, I don't know that they'll get true market value for him. I mean, he is also, he's not, well, how many years he's been with us? Not four or whatever. Four years older than, than he was when we got him, but uh, he also has the no movement clause, so he's going to have to want to go wherever they can find a place for him. Mm-hmm. So. The real return for him if they trade him is the cap space. Right. I mean, you're going right. to get a late pick and maybe a prospect as a throw-in. You're saying, not going to get hopefully players, a younger, right. younger player. No, no, and the biggest thing about Phil Kessel, though, he is 31 years old. So he's another one of those ones where, you know, if it was the perfect scenario where they could keep him, is it even worth 
continuing to extend him out, keep him around, and all of a sudden he hits the point where he can't score at all anymore, and he's locked into some contract at plus 30. See, I think, um, obviously, yeah, he'll be moved. Um, with it, that said, though, what's the addition for Phil Kessel on, like, the top six forwards? Is it within, or uh, is there a type of player you think they could bring in? I don't think you're replacing him with one player. Right. You're you're just not going to. Oh, sure. You have you're gonna to have to plug and play and hopefully somebody maybe, you know, Bukestad can jump up and play wing if needed and Blucher can fill in third line center. Um as far as like, you know, wingers out there in free agency, the one guy I'd like to see him get would be Matt Zuccarello, but he was just traded for a first round pick. He's gonna be expensive. Right. Um I don't think he's really going to be a guy you can get. I think you get like Michael Furlan from Carolina, who was only making, I think, like 1.75 mil last year. If he signs as a free agent, you get him for, you know, three, four million, get him to play with uh, with uh, Gino. It gives you, you know, more money to toy around and mm-hmm. give yourself more debt. So you're not replacing his, his stats, but I feel like you're definitely strengthening your whole lineup by moving him. Right. And I, I think... With replacement too, like like what I'm meaning, and not really replacing his role, role 100, but um, like replacement wise, just within the top, you know, six forwards of the Penguins, and yeah, I think the way the NHL is kind of looking right now, there too, is they're they're showing that you know forwards remind me a lot of running backs in the NFL at this point, where like the NFL, if you look at the Steelers picked one late in the fourth or, or in the fourth round there that maybe in other years in that uh, was it Benny Snell Jr. In other years, probably goes maybe a little bit higher, but running backs have lost their value a lot in the NFL because people have realized that we don't, you don't need a superstar stud running back. You can have multiple running backs. And I feel like with looking at um, Las Vegas and different teams that have these collection of almost like, third to second line forwards that the Penguins are not going to be in a worse position, in my opinion, if they lose Phil Kessel, but also then have more guys. I mean, Gensel's obviously better, but the little vanilla midget type replacement guys come in and, and continue to work hard. It's not going to be that big of a deal in terms of what the Penguins, I mean, you have Crosby and Malkin setting these guys up. They're going to score goals. Yeah. I mean, do you guys agree with that? Like with having Crosby and Malkin wingers are going to, they're going to score. More so with Sid than Gino. Well, sure. Gino definitely compliments with a a shoot-first me player. Yeah. That's uh, just how it's always been. But sure. Yeah, I feel like you can almost put anybody there that can skate, and as long as they have a pair of hands, they'll be okay. Right. Well, after Kessel, then, uh, Chris Letang's on the list. Chris Letang's probably not going anywhere, um, but he is also 31, and everyone likes to talk about it. Jordan, what's your thoughts on Chris Letang? He is a stay unless you get, like, that change of scenery trade, you know, like I mentioned with Subban or somebody like that. Other than that, there's – you have to deal with the good and bad. He's going to play a riskier game, but he's also going to have stretches where he's dominant. So he's got to take him as he comes. Singo, what's your thoughts on the team? I mean, I, I don't see you trading him, and like you said, unless you're getting that change of scenery player. I mean, if we're able to get P.K. Subban, yeah, I'll open the door for him. You know, that's Is great. Subban still the defenseman he used to be, though? Is Latang? Subban's younger than Latang. And we, what do we know? Like, I'm not, I love Latang. Latang's a great player. 
I mean, he has his, he's kind of a head case at times, but I, I start to wonder with his injury history now, is it, is that going to start his father time coming for him that, you know, these injuries are going to start piling up and that he's going to stop being able to play that game right. as effective. I think that's why he's one of those ones too, where he's at that 31 year old age where, and is it, <laughs> is it where you take the hit where you're not going to have, like he's not replaceable, but at the same time, you can move him on and, you know, maybe get, I don't know. It's just, it's tough right. because he's one of those ones you hang on till the end of his career. And then does that turn around and bite you? The, the thing with him is like, he's so, I don't know how to say this for the way he plays, like his aggressive style. He's a small guy. He could be a good candidate. Move him out. Before we he hits the twilight of his career, no offense to him, just so that we can get a return now because whenever he hits 35, he's probably going to be useless. Right. Whereas Subban, bigger guy, I know he plays a really physical game and everything, but I just feel like, look how, what, the, how all other old defensemen in the league... I'm pretty sure someone did Nicholas Cromwell finally retire. No, he's still playing. Exactly. He's wow. going to be like 120 years. Right. Old. Well, one thing too with Subban and the team really doesn't have a whole lot of it right now is he's a guy that's going to come in with some flair and energy and sure, get true. guys going. He's a guy you hate to play against, but when he's on your team, you have to. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's. And I was just wondering though, because I did hear <clears throat> that Subban, someone was watching the Predators I was talking to recently and they said they just felt like Subban looked like a, just an average another defenseman now. I don't know. I didn't watch Nashville series this year, so I, I really don't have much to say about Subban well, this year. He is tagging Tiger's ex-woman, Lindsey Vaughn. True. Maybe that has something to do with it. Get in the hole! Let's go, Tiger! <laughs> she sucked the life out of Tiger during that time. He wasn't very good when he was when they were together. The only way his back make... was all fucked up. Yeah, but I'm, we're gonna blame Lindsey Vaughn, okay? Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the she only way you make up. that trade is if Lindsey Vaughn is out of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> All right, Lindsey Vaughn's got to go. Um, so yeah, Latang, I feel like he's gonna stay, but um, it's one of those ones that I kind of wish maybe they actually could think about moving him soon, just for the fact that he is thirty-one and it might turn into one of those situations where he retires as a Penguin that ends up biting him long term. But time will tell. Uh, we will see. Next on the list, Oli Mata. Uh, what do we think on Oli Mata? Bye. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. I, the, the bottom line is he, he's not a great puck mover. He's not physical. He can't skate. He just doesn't fit the mold of today's NHL. And I feel like he's young enough. He's still only 23. Yeah. So somebody will take a chance on him. You really can't have him. No, that's the thing. With his, with his age, should think they should be able to get some kind of healthy return with his pedigree, too, of having two Stanley Cups. Right. And, Every, you're gonna get someone to be dumb enough to not really care about his foot speed. And be like, ah, it's only Mata. He's 23 and has two cups. You know, someone's gonna bite yeah. on that. And I think, yeah, you can get pretty good value. Then, obviously, replacement wise, I think they already have enough within their system mm-hmm. and stuff. It's not that big of a deal. Are you losing much if a guy like Regal takes his spot? No, right. And I don't even think you're really gonna see Regal at play because I feel like right. I'm just saying, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not if you're talking the seventh defenseman. It it doesn't make a difference. Sure, I'd rather I'd rather have Pedersen eat up all of Olimata's minute, minutes. Oh, hundred percent, right? Yeah, hundred percent for me too. Olimata, he's he's got to he's got to go. I think he's at like 
what does he have four million? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And he's signed for another three years after this one. Wow. Yeah. So we got we got some time yet. I'd, I'd see. Surely you could be able to get a return on him. You're probably gonna get a better return for him than you're gonna get for Castle. That's if yes. People talk about how the Penguins have all this top flight talent that's making all this money at forward. They were like the 23rd ranked team in salary at forward, fifth in defenseman. Right. So they're spending all their money on the back end. Which, which is fair because for the longest time that that was you know. But issue. you need to have a really right. good back end. Yeah. You know, for top five you should have top five, top ten D, and you don't. So. Well, yeah. and and the funny part about that, like you're saying, them spending all their money on D. The two years they won the cup, their decors were really freaking good, though. Like, really good with the dailies, Schultz, Latang leading the, mm-hmm. the core there. Um, I really like both of those cores, and they deserve to be paid whatever because they were winning with them. But like you said, now they're paying this decor a lot, and it's not winning. So it kind of nips them in the butt. But like I said, Rutherford's got to work within the salary cap. So it, it is what it is. And like I said, the forward wise, is it today's NHL? You can kind of just pay a bunch of jabronis to go out there with Crosby and Malkin, and they're still going to put up points and succeed. Uh, you know, maybe the next one on the list after Mata of getting Malkin. What's our thoughts on Malkin? I think <laughs> I think he's got to stay. He, he, you're talking about generational talent. Yeah, he had a down year. We went through this before years ago with him coming off a down year oh, we're in tra- or like at the deadline there was like rumors were trending to, to LA and Dustin stuff. Brown every yeah. year yeah exactly <laughs> like can you imagine if we would have done that yeah, how embarrassing done. that would have been I just don't think he's all. He also wasn't thirty-two like he is. Now. I understand you that you don't trade those guys. I, I get. I get the argument that you want to try to move these guys out before it's too late. But he's kind of like the one where. Him and Crosby are almost untouchable for the length of their careers. Crosby is, and Malkin. Is. So I used to be the one that said, "Yeah, you never can trade these guys." Until I look at these three teams over here: the Kings, the Blackhawks, and the Red Wings. And I'm sitting there looking at myself as a Penguins fan and knowing that I'm going to be a fan forever. So okay. I'm looking at my long-term goals here, right? And I'm looking at Malkin, and I'm going. Malkin retires as a Penguin, Crosby retires as a Penguin, and now I'm 10 years of no more playoffs for the Penguins, potentially. Now, hold up. Now, if we make a deal, you know, that opens up the cast space, they sign a guy like Panarin, it, it could be a little bit more palatable. But I think you'd have to be able to, like, if we're trading Malkin, then we're still signing the top two free agents available or something sure. in that vein. The problem is it doesn't give you the money to do that because Malkin's only making 9.5, and that I get that. you one. I get that. So. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at like the whole solution now of them hanging on to this core the whole way to the end. Does it end up then crushing them for ten more you know years? What? If the Penguins have taught you anything through their entire history, yes, they're gonna be bad for a little bit. They're gonna get superstars. They're gonna win, and they're gonna be bad again. Well, and can lightning to- strike though the same place? Three times in a row. If it can do it twice, it can do it thrice. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. That is the sound bite. If I like it. Twice, it can do it thrice. I like and it. The, I, I feel like if Rutherford even tried to make a move to trade Gino, Lemieux's going to fire him or shot Sure. Him. I don't think it'll happen, but the more I look at it internally at myself, I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I wish and, there was a way that to save the Penguins. And I like the other three teams because they did have examples you know, of those guys that are getting older, getting paid. 
there's not a player on any of those teams that's on Evgeny Malkin's level. Sort of Patrick Kane and just a goal scoring. Right. There's not one. But looking at Detroit, they hang, they hung on to the Zetterberg. Uh, that's like all those guys of that thing the whole way to the end, and then it kind of has now bit them where they're almost going to be probably 10 years without making the playoffs. Yeah. Or, you know, and but stuff, I feel so. like I would much rather try to give it another go with these guys because they've earned it. You know, Gino and Sid have earned the right to stay sure. together, get these guys there. And, you know, at the end, you're going to have years where you don't make the playoffs. That's you, right. You can't. Right, but that, I guess that's why I'm trying to throw out: is it is it actually potentially avoidable if it would be totally blown up and they miss just one year next year, but then make it twelve straight after that or something? I don't know. I just hypothetically looking at these teams, I just is there maybe potentially actually a different solution to to the problem? Um, I I don't know if there is. Well, yes well no. I mean, one thing we didn't talk about is how about we stop. Tr- uh, trading away our first round picks and start. We have the next three years right. first round picks, but next year we don't have a second or a third. Right. And you know, this is use the draft to to get these guys in. You said about using taking advantage of rookie contracts. We got to make these first round picks count. We got to keep them. We sure. got to make them count. We got to get guys to to well, complement these superstars. Right. But that's where I'm saying. Like, does a Guinea Malkin pick up and get you those draft picks? I'm just saying, like, in a hyper- 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 anymore, like, is it, does a 31-year-old get you a first-round pick? Are give it a, does. People are going to give a shit ton for Malkin if he was available. The problem is, the only thing you can get, you're not you're not going to replace him for years. Right. You're not going to. No. What, what good does it do to to move him and not replace him? And then by the sick. time you replace him with a young guy, Sid's 35, 36, sure. and he's ready to call it a career. But that's what I'm saying, like, they can still play really well with Sid and company. Uh, you know what? I we had a first round exit this year. Sure, I'd much rather not make the playoffs a couple of years and build more. Sure. You know, or what I mean, right. as opposed to just doing enough to make the playoffs and that being good enough. Right. But I'm saying, is that where they're at now, though? To the to the end of Crosby and Malkin's career, are they just going to continue to make the playoffs and be bounced first I, round? I mean, that was the talk before they won the back-to-back cups. Sure. So. But but they also were... They were younger. Younger. Now they're getting into the 30s. Is it is that talk more relevant now? I don't think these... I mean, Sid had 100 points. He's 31 years old. Sure. I don't think he's going to fall off. Malkin was still a point-of-game player, and he said he had a terrible... Well, sure. Terrible year. No, Malkin, I they're not like going to fall off. The, uh, definitely a bounce-back type of guy he's you know whatever this year was this year um and i also look at i know um toronto can't make it past boston right now but they did essentially just get rid of all their guys and then it worked out for them so i don't know it's just it's a weird tough scenario where i don't know what the right answer is you know but it's just there's a lot of food for thought to put out there um jared mccann's on the list at 22 years old he's not going anywhere like you said he solidified that he could play with crosby and gensel that that's i don't think we even need to discuss jared mccann i love him he's a great energy guy uh, it just comes with the ring of the smile on his face is you know i feel like contagious right on the pk right which you need a guy on the pk mm-hmm. it's a threat yeah no love jared mccann matt murray's on the list obviously they are all in on Matt Murray. Um, I personally don't like Matt Murray's style of goaltending because he 
is more a blocking goalie. I like goalies that, that see the puck, but I, you know, Matt Murray's Matt Murray. That's what they like, so I'm, I have nothing more to say. What do you guys think about Murray? I think that pretty much said today in that news article that the two players that were untouchable were Crosby and Murray. Sure. No, uh, right. Makes sense. And Murray, if you, you know, throw out the first half of the season, which you can't do, but if you just block it out, the second half of the year, he played how many straight games at the end of the year, and he was pretty good in most of them. So. Sure. I just, I don't know, I watch the playoff series right now, and I'm watching Bobrovsky and watching these goalies that actually can see the puck into their glove and blocker, and I'm like, God, I miss that kind of goaltending. Uh, but like I said, I'm not saying Flurry's better because Flurry got bounced again. Flurry always has that tendency of not being able to get it fully done when it matters, but I just like goalies that can make saves, and I feel like uh, Matt Murray in the game against the Islanders when obviously Latang made the bad play, causes an odd man rush, but when he slides over, Murray has no... He made no effort to save the puck other than praying it would hit him. Now... Granted, Everly put a great shot in, in goal. No goalie's probably saving that, but most goalies in the NHL are going to make a reaction with their glove towards the puck. Murray literally, I feel like, closes his eyes and just prays it hits his body on 90% of the shots, and it does 90% of the time. But to get to, in through the playoffs, these goalies right now are making those extra saves, though, that aren't the 90 playing the percentages. They're making that extra save on top of it, and that's what puts you through. And like I said, he did win the Cup in 16, but I feel like you could have put – any goalie in 16 in there and they would have won. And then Flurry got him actually through probably the harder series against Washington the year. And then he kind of just came in and had to be Murray again. I don't know. I just, time will tell. Hopefully Murray, he continues to try to get better. I will give him that. I see him working on trying to get better at making the save, seeing the puck and all that and battling. So I don't know. Time will tell. He's still 24. So he's still got a lot of, you know, years to learn and grow because Flurry at 24 wasn't completely sound either. He did win a cup or whatever, but and younger in his career, but you know, goaltenders are still by the time they get to their thirties, they get into their prime. Um, but I don't know if there's much to really say there because he's going to be on the team, and let's hope uh, for the best for Matt Murray, and let's hope he continues to to grow. Uh, Marcus uh, Pedersen is next on the list. I thought he was a great addition. I love Pedersen. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Pedersen? They're bringing him back, no doubt. He was really good. That was honestly a great trade, as much as it. Stung to see Sprong go because he was really the only scoring winger you had in the minors, but he obviously wasn't going to work out. Pedersen helped, played well with pretty much whoever they put him with, and he was solid. Mm -hmm. He's an RFA. I'm assuming he's going to get a little bit of a raise. Uh, But, yeah, I would say he's he's definitely coming back. He should be a staple in your second pairing. Yeah. No, I love Pedersen. Great addition. Um, Next on the list for the roster, Chad Rubiedel. What do we think about Chad Ruby at 28 years old? See, he fits the system and plays well when he's plugged in the lineup. He's mm-hmm. if that's your seventh defenseman and you move, you know, one or two of the other guys, it's perfect scenario for him. He showed in the playoffs he can step in and almost mm-hmm. play any type of game. But what he is in the UFA, so they would have to. He's going to be dirt cheap, <laughs> right? Right. He made six hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, he'll so be a million dollar player max. If that, I don't yeah, think it would yeah, touch I don't that. think you. Would. So he'll be. Yeah. He's, and no team's really going to go out there and go above and beyond to pay him more. No, he, he hasn't be. done enough to show that. So, yeah. Um, next on the list, which I didn't even know Rust was actually this young still. He's twenty six. Is Brian Rust? Uh, what are our thoughts on Brian Rust? I always I love Brian Rust. I. I 
I thought he was a little bit older, to be honest. I think he's actually still 26. That's still pretty young. So yeah, he, he might not. They just signed him recently, right? Yeah, he signed an extension before this year. Okay. He might not have the upside that I thought offensively. You know, I thought he could be a 20-goal guy. And, you know, maybe that's not him, but I just I like his game. Yes. He's fast. He's perfect for the NHL game. He's, Every shift he's, he's balls to the right. ball. Yeah. And I mean the thing with him too, he's streaky. So you're gonna have times like the beginning of this sure. year where he wasn't scoring, and the end of the year where he wasn't scoring. But there was a stretch there where he's putting two two goals in every other night. And I still I think he got close to twenty goals this year. Right. He I know he was like third on the team in goals, third or fourth. Sure. Um, and you know he missed ten fifteen games. So yeah, no. What I like about Russ too is he can play a little bit at everywhere and anywhere in any role. So that's those guys are great to have because if someone goes down and you need a first line replacement, he'll slide in that he can do that. If mm-hmm. you know you want him just to be on the third line, he's going to be on the third line. You want him killing penalties, he kills penalties, whatever, whatever you need Russ to do, he'll do it. So I think that he's a great asset. Uh, next one was Russ had eighteen goals, just okay. and he played in seventy two games, so, so he would he yeah. would have been a twenty goal scorer. Sure, yeah. so no, that's great. Um, next one on the list, Justin Schultz. What are our thoughts on Justin Schultz? I think you should just handle this one. Right. <laughs> so Justin Schultz should be a penguin for life, and Justin Schultz should be uh, everything and everything in hockey ever. Justin Schultz is the best. I love Justin Norris, Hart. Oh, Justin Schultz. That's all I got to say. No, obviously he's, he's not going anywhere, so I don't know if there's much to say there, right? No. Nope. Okay. So nothing to say on Schultz besides he's my boy. Next on the list is everybody's favorite player, this son of Sullivan, the chosen one, Dominic Simone. So what do we think about the chosen one? I'll Sullivan's start. lover. Yo, boy. You guys go. Ahead. I'll start. So the fact that he played on the first line for mm. a majority of the season. My favorite part of He Dominic had Simone. one goal in 33 games. Yes. You could put a 50-year-old retired player with a broken leg out there. Yes. And he might pot one in. And the fact that Sullivan keeps going back to him, and I get he drives possession. A player that drives possession and can't score should be on your fourth line, right? Not your top line. No, that was my. That's biggest, the only problem I have. Yeah, absolutely. That was my biggest concern at the beginning of the year. Dominic Simone's out there with Sidney Crosby. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy is a plug. He like sure if you put him on the fourth line, like you said, I'm fine with it. Play him where he actually is supposed to be, and I'm fine with it. But his when you're putting numbers. him. It's like it's like putting this. It's like running a company, and all of a sudden they put the janitor as a CEO. Like well, he was doing really good. He's as a, a great janitor. Yeah, a great janitor. Put him as a CEO of the company now. Like what the fuck? Like it was the worst thing ever. It, it was just like Biosmo with Craig Adams. The sure. Team, at that point, didn't belong in the lineup. Sets the team record for games played. Right. In a row. So. Yeah, I don't. Uh, hate Donaldson. He also fought Malkin. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> Dominic Simone is 24 years old. Like I said, if they keep him in the bottom six, I'm fine with him. But if he's playing with Sidney Crosby again at points next year. I'm going to bash my head against yeah, the Yeah, it's going to yeah. be awful. There's no reason. There's no reason he should. I mean, first off, if that first line next year isn't McCann, Crosby, Gensel, uh, there's something seriously wrong. I mean, 
to talk about the guy that I used to hate, Chris Kunis, he did at least produce when he right. played with Crosby. That's exactly. why I was you actually fine him, with but it. He did. I, yeah, right. I was. I used. To, it used to just became a joke. It became right. almost like a yeah. meme for us with me and right. and Kunis. I actually liked the way Kunis played. Whatever. Right. It just was a meme for me to kind of make fun of him at that point and say, "Nah, fuck Kunis." But Dominic Simon, I legitimately hate. <laughs> <laughs> like he's my Carter Rowney. Oh boy! Like Carter Rowney made freaking so much better than what Dominic Simone is. I guess, I, I guess. But yeah, Dominic Simone, awful. Wish he could not be on the team. Before. That being said, stay. <laughs> right. Carter um, did have three assists in a playoff game. Three ass equals one goal. That's right. Three ass does equal one goal. Thank you, Bob Erie. <laughs> So Zach Trotman is next on the list. He's a 28-year-old defenseman. What are our thoughts on Trotman? Uh, I believe he's a UFA also. I think it's one of the two, him or Ruedel, could be brought back. Probably not both. That's the way I see it. What is a Zach Trotman? (laughs) (laughs) No, he's he's 28 years old. He might have played in two, three games. He was... Bad, right? He should go. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just wanted to bring him up, but yeah, he's, in my opinion, gone. Ruedel's way better at twenty eight years old as well. So in the same amount of money there. So yeah, Ruedel over Trotman all day long. I said one or the other. Okay, no, it's not <laughs> one or the other. We're telling you, Trotman's out. Okay, I'll call. God J- damn it, Jr. Up. No. I'm, I got him. I'm talking to him right, right. after this. I'm okay. get off. The, once we're done with this, I'm gonna get on the phone with him. I'm gonna wake him up. <laughs> Call gonna, him on his flip phone. Right. We're, we're gonna handle this. Okay. okay? All right. I, I get him his blackmail. He puts on all the other GMs and his <laughs> deals. Okay. I'm his. Oh, you mean like that Derek Broussard one? I I told him not to do the Broussard one. Okay. Okay. I was against the Broussard one. He didn't listen to me. We missed. We our phones didn't work that day. Guess okay. you're still in the playoffs. Derek Broussard. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> uh, and then last on the list, we have Garrett Wilson. I liked Garrett Wilson. What do you guys think? Any thoughts there? Is it, is it much to talk about? Nah. Hey, he's he's whatever. He's clearly replaceable. Yeah. Yeah, bring him back. Bring, right. bring him back. Right, right, yeah. He's 28. Why not put a young kid in that scenario and see sure. if he can succeed? Sure. No, I think... So the biggest thing we're looking at, Phil Kessel in the offseason, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be the biggest news... For them, the biggest move, the biggest whatever. The rest of the rest of the roster is it pretty much going to come back? We're kind of saying yes. Is that what we feel Rutherford is going to do? No, I mean, there's not much of an option. Yeah, what are you going to do? What's I think this is more. Team? No, I think this is more a scenario where if he's not happy with things, he's going to have to look to try to replace it through not you know the next year full way through, uh, kind of like he did to make up for the Broussard trade. It didn't happen overnight. It took its course to work out. So, And I would say the only thing that would throw a wrench into kind of what we think is going to happen is if they were to move Malkin, because then I feel like they kind of blow up everything underneath him right? and just go from scratch. Sure. No, I, it's going to be an, int- an interesting offseason here for sure. There's a lot on the table. Anyway, do you guys have anything else we want to talk about on the Penguins here? Or, you know, obviously the offseason, we're going to see what happens and uh, hope for the best, and then obviously, hopefully, we can have an episode where we talk about the the uh, moves and what we think and what we like. But um, I don't think there's much more to cover on the Penguins, you guys. Or maybe they won't make any moves, and we'll be like, "What the f?" And then that's repeat the, again. That's <laughs> the team that's coming up next. <laughs> yeah, that's their off season. Yeah. So, moving on, little segue out of that. Let's talk about that team. That doesn't make many off-season moves. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they had a rough week this past week. The Diamondbacks pretty much said, hey, come over here. We're going to bend you over our 
counter and shove our dicks <laughs> up your ass and beat the Run shit out of you train. So, um, what's your thoughts, uh, Andrew, Jordan? I'll leave it to more to you guys. You guys probably have to see the Pirates more than I did. I was busy all week and really didn't get to follow the games. Just saw they got their butts spanked. Um, so, what do we think this past week of the Pirates? Well, losers of six in a row uh, at this point. I think this is bound to happen when the starting pitching started to falter and come back to earth. There's no wiggle room because that lineup is terrible. Again, they're injured. Basically, their two major league hitters in the lineup are out and Dickerson and Marte. So Today, Dickerson had a setback. So did Chisenhall. They're both going to go back on the I.L. Well, I mean, literally, I, I don't know how to make this any simpler. This team could have went out, spent the same money on a guy like Manny Machado, and had a payroll at the same place that they were in 2015. And you have an elite a shortstop then instead right. of fucking Eric Gonzalez murdered <laughs> your murdered your, best store player. murdered your best player and on the team. And that was a hard freaking hit. Like, holy, I was watching it that night and I was like, my God. And it's a recurring theme with this guy. He does right. not call pop-ups. Right. He's running the jung-ho twice. Right. Which, language barrier, I get it. But sure. We have, but if you, if you hear a voice in baseball in a pop fly, it doesn't take a freaking rocket scientist to think that guy's saying got it. Right. Um, they should have just signed Freddie Galvis instead of signing well, young Freddie Galvis. Right. He was one year younger than Freddie Galvis. <laughs> and what pisses me off is just that, I mean, now we have to hope Cole Tucker, which is fine. I'm not having a problem with Cole Tucker. He'll hit for average, whatever. That's fine. But they don't have run producers outside. Josh Bell is playing out of his mind right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like Josh Bell. But kudos to him. Good, yeah, good He's been him. unreal That's, this year. You have him and you have John Ho putting one across the right. He, he can't hit. The ball. Right. right, but he hits homers. <laughs> it's either a strikeout. It's either an outer. Frazier slumping. Um, you just have guys slumping, and the starting pitching. Trevor Williams is illegitimate. <laughs> Probably like, ace at this point. I like Williams. Musgrove yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyon, who knows what he's going to do because he's all over the place. Um, Archer, you know you're going to have a four ERA, and you just don't have the lineup to produce runs mm-hmm. to to back him up. And your bullpen only has two legit MLB arms in it. Right. We thought it was going to be a strength. Kell has been awful. Yeah, Kell has been awful. Won't talk to the media. I don't. <laughs> the ones that say that they do, it's more just like. I don't know. He, he'll talk to them. He just doesn't want to freaking be part of the whole have stories written about him kind of thing. He just, I don't know. Whatever. That's kind of whatever. I don't really care too much about that. But I, I, I do am concerned that our best bullpen arm is our former best starting pitcher from five years ago. And, you know, the guy's like in his late 30s. And I mean, he's doing fine. But then we can't trust anyone else. What? Nick Birdie. He's probably dead now, so I don't throw him sucking anymore. He's like tore his arm off. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Crick is solid, right? Kyle Crick's good, and you know Vasquez is going to be solid. But you have nobody that can get you from the fifth to the eighth. Rodriguez's yeah. ERA is down to about three seventy now, I believe, which is mind blowing because he lost them about four games already this yeah. year. JB Shuck pitched the other night. Was throwing darts at night. <laughs> <laughs> How about that, J.B. Shuck? It's actually not awful, but at the same time, we're relying on J.B. Shuck to fucking play in the outfield. J.B. Shuck and Jason Martin? Who are these people? Right. This this isn't the 2005 team. This isn't fucking have two good players and a rest of minor leaguers. It might be worse. This is a playoff contention team. It's supposed to be. We're talking about having possibly the greatest starting rotation in baseball, but we can't put a fucking major league lineup around them. We want to pretend like we're competing? Then... 
we, we, you have to spend some money. I'll give them credit. They, they made moves to compete in season. They're trades they usually make to compete for the most part. But when it comes to free agency, they play the fucking card of that's not in our budget or that's not the way that we do business and we do do things internally. Or, you know, we scout we scout the guy that'll cost us a minor league deal or a million dollars. Yeah, they signed one major league free agent this year. One. The rest of them are all minor league free agents. It's it's annoying. I'm I'm honestly almost pissed off that Jordan Lyles has been as good as he was until the last game because it like validates that this whole bullshit of we're just going to go sign guys to minimum deals. But that's been their MO with these old pitchers, you know, or guys that were good for one year and fell off. That's been their MO even through trades. Yeah, no, I mean, this past week it hasn't been looking good, but also if you throw a timeout, they're still not sitting in a bad spot if they can get it turned around, if their lineup can get healthy, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're still sitting at not a bad spot, but they are sitting at a bad spot, in my opinion, that the fact that the NL Central is really good. Right. That's, there's not a lot of wiggle room though. So if you well, behind, if you start to fall, then it's let, we be, need to start moving guys out because here's the deal: you're probably not going to compete in that division for a few years then. Right. No, that's the thing. I think that why there is maybe a panic button right now is the fact that that if you fall behind in the central, I don't think there's any way you catch back up unless you're the Cubs. Yeah, sure. I mean, they, they don't have the line. The thing is, the the Cubs have a major league lineup one to nine. Yeah. Right. Even Jason Hayward's hitting again. Exactly. I guess my question would be, if the lineup gets healthy, does that make it any better? Maybe a little, but if you still... If they're 100% healthy, they have a decent lineup. You have a good outfield with a good bench bat, mm-hmm. because you're going to be able to have Dickerson, Marte, and Polanco, and you're going to have probably Chisholm Hall, who's a decent bat. I haven't got to see him play this year, but he's been decent in the past, and Melky Cabrera mm-hmm. off the bench. Who has been amazing. The big problem you have is your middle infield. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. that's your entire hole in the lineup because you get to you know the 7-8 spot in your lineup, you get two outs in the pitcher. You might as well guarantee right. an inning, at least two innings a and game, you're the, not going to do anything. Three innings a game, you're going to go down one, two, three. Right. And the funny part is usually the pitcher is the one that has the better battle at bat oh. than the other two yeah. in the lineup. Trevor Williams and Musgrove, <laughs> at least those guys you know, are, are athletes and they're competitive. Right. And that's been their problem the past couple of years where you had guys like Mercer and... I'm not a Jordy Mercer fan. Right, me neither. But you have guys out there that are going to hit 230, 240 with no pop hitting 7-8. Right. You I mean, Mercer's out, hit t- 10 home, double-digit home runs before, hitting 250-260. Josh Harrison, with his head bobbing, I mean, he's still going to hit you 270 and, you know, 8 to 10 homers. What is Eric Gonzalez going to give you, 230 with five backs? I mean, I get he's right. out for a long time now, but still, like, that was never going to be – unless he was going to blow everyone's doors off and come out and hit 310 or hit 20 homers, what were they thinking? Sure. He's a fucking above average shortstop. Well, I'm sorry. Then if that's above average, Jordy Mercer must have been a fucking all star. <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I like it. So this week wasn't good. But one thing I do want to talk about is some past things that happened. I want to look at the Cole and Kutch trades now. So looking back at what they traded for versus where Cole and Kutch are and versus what the Pirates have from them, what we think of that. So. Um, Andrew, do you have the trades there? Uh, I didn't write them down off the top of my head. The, Cole, 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 Cole for, went for Feliz, Musgrove, Moran. Yes. And Kutch was for Kyle Crick. 
and, and Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. And five hundred thousand dollars. International international spending money. Who, you brought in Martin. Else. Didn't one of those two bring in Martin? Uh, I think Martin was a homegrown guy. Okay. Right. Anyway. So basically, all those guys are on the major league roster except for Michael Feliz, and he was last year. Mm-hmm. So he was bad. He was bad. I don't want to give the Pirates too much credit, but I have no problem with those deals. Right. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's my favorite Pirate of all time. Always will be. But he wasn't a guy you like. Corey Dickerson replaced him twofold. Plus, I know he's in a different position, but he's also a Gold Glover last right. year. And McCutcheon defensively was a liability right. in center, and he didn't want to move out of center. Whenever Marte was way better than him, um, I I wish McCutcheon would never have left Pittsburgh, but that was a good deal. And as far as Garrett Cole, he was amazing last year. He's been kind of so-so this year. He was never going to pitch the way he did last year in Houston. He wasn't going to do that in Pittsburgh last year. Right. And I mean, you may have everyone said bought they you know sold low on him with that, but Musgrove's been amazing. And yeah, the, and Moran's been a solid bat this year. I think the yes. problem is, and the Pirates are starting to change their ways. But for a while, it was hey, let's pitch to contact, let's pitch to contact, and now you're telling your guys to go out and throw more breaking balls, try to get more spin on your fastball. And that's why I think you're seeing guys like Williams and Musgrove pitch really well, whereas they weren't doing that with Cole. They were taking a strikeout pitcher and turning him into a contact pitcher. Right. And there is a common theme with players not doing better now than what they were ever going to do with the Pirates. And we'll probably talk about another one here soon, sure. I would imagine. So the, so the Pirates could be an example to an extent of what the Penguins could look at doing with like a soft rebuild. They traded their two cornerstone pieces, mm-hmm. but were st- a better team last year than they were with them. Right. And... I mean, that's not, you know, in every case, and I, I'm not saying that, that the answer, let's go trade Malkin because we're going to be better for it, but it is possible. Right. It, well, that, that was my thing looking back at the NHL and looking at the teams left in the playoffs, and I'm going, they're not top-to-bottom super star power teams that yeah. are much left. So, yeah, I think the same thing applies here with the Pirates. Um, that, that has worked out well. Another trade I want to talk about is the Archer trade. What are our thoughts? Because a lot of people had, uh, you know, are looking at how Meadows are, is playing and how um, Glasnow is playing and, and kind of flipping out a little bit. But is Archer doing enough to validate versus, you know, those two in the lineup? Like, does Meadows, like, does Meadows make a healthy pirate lineup or not? Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, Jordan, what's your thoughts on the so, Archer trade? I will say that both players, Meadows and Glasnow, are going to be stars for Tampa Bay. They are good. Glasnow is filthy, mm-hmm. and he's real hard to hit. Um, the Archer deal, Archer I don't think will ever be what he was three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. He's just he's not that good of a pitcher. That being said, it was a move the Pirates had to make to show the fans and you know gain a little bit of goodwill for making a move that shows, hey, we're serious about contending. And granted, it's a move that should have been made two, three years earlier, but it was a move they had to make for the fans. And I feel like that, as somebody who does actively root for the Pirates, 
you had to be happy when that happened, no matter what they gave up mm-hmm. prospect wise, because it showed that they were willing to, you know, finally deal a prospect and get somebody back. But those other two guys are going to be all stars. Uh, honestly, even with, uh, I hate to say this, but even if they come out Glasnow and Meadows come out and be at Hall of Famers, I don't have a problem with that deal, just because. It, like Jordan said, it, it it was proving that they were they were willing to contend. That that was like whenever they made that deal, that was saying like even though they probably knew they weren't gonna do it last year, like it wasn't gonna, they weren't gonna contend last year. But this was to say like, hey, we're gonna go out, we're gonna get this guy that could project to be a, a top of the rotation arm, may not end up being like that. Uh, you know, he's also like a glue guy in the clubhouse. The players love him. Right. I mean, literally everyone gravitates to him. He's a leader in that clubhouse, and you needed that with Kutch gone because Kutch was the heartbeat of that of that clubhouse. Sure, and I think that that goes a little bit understated in this. I mean, he needs to perform on the field too, but he that trade, I would do it a hundred times out of a hundred just to prove to us the fans we are trying to win. Just so that they can ruin all that goodwill in the offseason by doing nothing. And that's that's the worst part of it. You make a deal like that and you do nothing to supplement it at all. Sure. You you go out and say, hey, we're gonna get him because we have him, you know, it doesn't help us this year only. It helps us down the road, but you don't do anything else. And so that's the only thing that burns you about it. That's what I want to talk about though. If the pirates make a move to be a PR move, essentially then they're never going to win, in my opinion, because they should be way smarter than any fan. They should not listen to any fan base's decisions. They should be smart enough to make decisions because they're smarter than us, in my opinion. So if they're making decisions based on what the masses want, they're never going to win. Well, I think they truly thought they could turn our Archer back into an ace. Sure. I'm hoping it's, in my opinion, I hope they, I hope that deal had nothing to do with the right. Pirates fan base, in my opinion. At the same time, I feel like Huntington knows what he's doing. Sure. Knows what he wants to do. He's not able to do it. Right. And that's the, the biggest problem they have is, I'm sure there's guys out there that he'd be like, hey, we can make this work. Right. And they're just not willing to, to be spend fair, the capital on it. To answer your question before, no, Meadows is not touching the field with those guys healthy until at least until next year when Dickerson would be gone. I think he would have played over Polanco. God, they love Polanco though. Polanco can't stand. He can't slide. He can't. He run can't the bases. run the bases. But that's the he thing, plays. though. Like you said, I think Meadows wouldn't have made the lineup right. on a healthy. So, like, yes, that trade in my and, opinion. And is Glass like, now we have this guy that could be a stud, but like we don't really know, and we need a, a pitcher, and this guy could be a stud pitcher. So yeah, I do think it was a, a good trade, and for Tampa, maybe it does turn out great for them long term. But like, that's for the Pirates, could it turn out great though too? Is Archer? You know, he has done well on some starts and stuff, so, like, maybe it does do well for the Pirates, too, where he's their good number three or something. So Tampa, I don't know. We'll Tampa's prime for a team that's young, doesn't mm-hmm. spend a whole bunch of money, mm-hmm. but is doing it right. Yeah, went out and, you know, they went out and they got Charlie Morton, who's, mm-hmm. we know, Charlie Morton's a pretty good pitcher now, and Blake Snell's a monster. They get guys down, too. They just mm-hmm. have a thing with, you know, hard-throwing arms, and they're doing it right. Sure. No, yeah, do you yeah. guys though have any more thoughts on the Pirates right now, or anything? I, I think on? once they're about you know once they're about six seven games out, I think they're already about done. I mean, in that division, but because they at this point, the only team that they're clearly better than is the Reds, mm-hmm. and I, I think we have the starting pitching that can hang with the rest of them, but. 
we got to get either get healthy or something's got to change in this lineup because it's just it's not going to cut it. It's it honestly the way this lineup's currently built, it might be the worst lineup in baseball with the injuries and everything. I mean, may, yeah, maybe the Orioles have a worse lineup, but that's because they're literally tanking. They sat Bell at Cervelli the other day, and that lineup they played was cool. I mean, it was, minor, bad. it was a minor league lineup, right? With two major leaguers in it. Yeah. It's worse than what the Orioles are putting out there that day. If we were looked at like the basis. Indianapolis Indians lineup or the Altoona Curves lineup from like four years ago, it's probably the same lineup. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we'll wrap up the Pirates here. And before we finish up the show, let's look at the Steelers draft. Um, Jordan, I know you're going to have big insight here. <laughs> as an Eagles on, fan. As an Eagles fan. Go on Birds! The, on the Steelers. Some, we're not even going to try to explain Jordan being an Eagles fan. Let's just... We're going to deal with it. I'm not even going to try to get into it. But, uh, I mean, you you can still give insight. You're going to know more about Devin Bush than I am being a Penn State fan and me being a Pitt fan. So, you know, you can have some input there. Um, The big news for the Steelers draft is that they traded up for the number 10 overall pick. And they took Devin Bush, inside linebacker, out of Michigan. A lot of people are loving this deal. My big thing about draft classes, though, is it doesn't matter until it's – proven on the football field and at the NFL level. It's, it seems like a great move, yes, but right. time still is out to tell. Uh, it, Andrew, what do you think about the Devin Bush pickup? I mean, the the way it looks right now, it, it looks great. I mean, yeah, on some, paper trade. I some think. of these, yeah. some some of these, you know, experts, the fucking morons like Mel Kuyper Jr., maybe not him specifically, but some <laughs> yeah, of them are like... Him specifically. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is very anti-Mel Kuyper Jr. Right. All right. Some of the, these guys were saying Devin Bush was the best player in the draft, or the second best player in the draft okay. overall. I mean, you got a guy that can be go out there, fill that Shazier role, be the quarterback of that defense, and has that speed of Shazier, which mm-hmm. we haven't had at all. Right. It has been sorely missed. I get we were the sixth best defense last year. First off, it's very funny that we had a number four offense and number six defense and didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah, no, that's the funny part is a lot of people bitch about the Steelers' defense, but if you look at them the last two years, they've actually had a very solid defense the last two years. Right. Like right, statistically wise. Yeah, statistically. Now they're do they are prone to give up the big play and stuff like that, but sure, but that's, so the is, that's the NFL. Now. Though. Yeah, it doesn't say every it, team's giving you up can't, big freaking You plays. can't really blame them. I mean right. I, I feel better having him there than, you know, a couple of these guys that we signed over the past couple of years. As Steelers fans, goals. we've been spoiled with some really good defensive oh, teams that right. it's people just try like to Penguins. compare it to. We've had like we the Steelers usually have Hall of Famers on defense, right. just like the Penguins have Hall of Famers. Right. And that's usually what happens. And I I like the pick a lot. We'll see how it pans out. You know, it seems like you know they're talking about oh he has the pedigree. Well, I was watching a lot of the draft. It seems like anymore most of the players have the pedigree of Triple H has a pedigree. <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with anything. It's all about the game. It's all about the game and how you play it. And he, basically all these NFL players anymore have a pedigree of like their dad played in the NFL. We're at this point anymore where all their dads played in the NFL or their grandpas right. played in the NFL. Sure. They all did. Right. The NFL is a country club. Basically, is it's professional sports. Right. It's a, it's a country club. Right. So, I mean. Seth Rollins also had the pedigree for <laughs> a short time period. It didn't work out well for him, though. This has been your WWE Minute. Yeah. <laughs> This is brought to you live from Pittsburgh Podcast featuring WWE pedigrees. <laughs> no, so Devin Bush, to me, that's, you know, Shazir Phil is, is necessary. Jordan, um, what do you think of Devin Bush? So Steelers had to draft a linebacker, mm-hmm. um, especially with Shazier, most likely not going to be back. Um, 
But great player. Um, watched him torment Penn State last year. Year before, different story. Uh, but last year he was great and uh, physical monster. Does have a little bit of an issue with trying to go after other players and start stuff before games, especially right. like the Michigan State game where he's out kicking the logo before the game. Right. I feel like hopefully the Steelers can control that aspect to him. They're oh, they're really good. At they're really, they're really not good. really known for yeah. that. That's why they're <laughs> Mike, Mike Tomlin's really good at controlling his players. I feel like yeah. this is a great character pick for them. No. It's, <laughs> he's going to be productive. He's. Hopefully the guys on defense will kind of lead him in the right direction, keep him away from that kind of stuff, and he'll be great for him. He's probably the second-best linebacker in the draft if you consider Josh Allen sure. a linebacker. Right. Then, but it's ironic you said about the character issues, but the fact that they got rid of their two most character problem guys, and I thought recently you've been drafting really good character guys, and now this guy's in the mold. So like you said, hopefully – Something changes in the water, and they can get it figured out, and he doesn't become a head case problem because that would be disastrous <laughs> if that happens again all over again after getting rid of the two that were – well, Brown wasn't until the end here. I don't know. That's still weird. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about Devin Bush. Hopefully time will tell it he's a great asset. Um, then they had to wait till the third round to pick again. And with the 66th overall pick, it's a good number, uh, they pick, uh, it was it Deontay Johnson, wide receiver out of Toledo. Um, and I guess the mold there is that he's supposed to be kind of an Antonio Brown hopeful type player where a guy out of a smaller situation and a smaller build guy but can turn it on in the field. And I guess he has, you know, great hands. Uh, Andrew, what's your thoughts on Johnson? So he was seen to be a reach, but... Steelers have had recently pretty good, you know, well, I guess just Juju was proven to be a solid, <laughs> solid receiver choice in the draft. Maybe some before that, you know, line of Swede, stuff like that didn't work out so well. Um, so he probably can be that kick returner and kind of come in on passing downs, kind of receiver where they probably have enough for this year if James Washington takes a step forward. So I think he's like the X factor. Right. Right. And they, I mean, keep on, they signed Dante Moncrief who isn't, isn't a bad player. Whenever he was in Indianapolis with the Colts, actually getting time with Andrew Luck, he, he was could solid. That, could he be like the Jericho Cotri come in? And oh be, yeah. You know, he's a good yeah. complimentary receiver. Right. Yeah, he, yeah. He's a good number three receiver. Definitely. Right. Who can kind of profile as a two at times if they need him to, uh, this all relies on, you know, is Juju going to be able to handle the the type of stuff that AB was seeing now, though? Well, right. So that that's kind of the thing, too. But your James Washington is the X factor. This guy's probably going to get a little bit of leash. I would assume he's going to come in and kick, re- return punts and kicks. That's going to be probably his bread and butter sure. this first this first season. And it looks like Big Ben's going to be thrown to him for another two more years after this year, too. So maybe he'll maybe they'll just turn him into a robot. And <laughs> well, I mean, if he gets any water from Tom Brady or something. He just never ages. I don't know. You said about it being a reach, but right in that late 50s, mid-60s range, a ton of receivers were just going. So I guess it made sense to get the one you wanted before, you know, because he wasn't going to slip any farther. So Sure. No, I mean, it's a, you know, time will tell type pick there. Um, And then also in the third round, 83rd overall, uh, Justin Lane, cornerback out of Michigan State. I don't know anything about Justin. I read the thing that he said he's more of a physical yeah, quarterback. Yeah, he's larger. He's bigger than what we have. Um, what are your guys' he, thoughts there? So, 
I think this is kind of an insurance pick because I think they kind of expect Artie Burns to probably be done. Okay. I, I don't think they have any faith in him at all because he doesn't have any faith in himself. We're we're gonna gonna assume that uh you know obviously we have Hayden on one side and right. Steven who's the guy we signed from the Giants or the Chiefs, Steven uh fuck what's his name? Hawking. Uh, <laughs> uh I know you're talking about giving that footage name. You're gonna cut this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's out. gonna put it No, I just let us You should. I mean <laughs> it's raw. <laughs> no Let me get the stuff. Steven Nelson. So the Steelers are going to have Hayden on the one side and Steven Nelson on the other side. People were ripping on that signing, but I mean, he can't be worse than Artie Burns. He was the most targeted corner in the NFL last year. Steven Nelson was. Right. But I still think he's going to be an upgrade. Uh, and he has, you know, the Steelers defense is a little bit better than the Chiefs defense. Chiefs defense was awful yeah. last year. Well, it's also a tough one. And the Chiefs, keep in mind, the Chiefs were winning big every game. Right. Teams were throwing on them because right. they're losing by 30. Yeah, as I say, it's tough when you're when you're the Chiefs, though, because you're scoring like crazy. Like you said, yeah, teams are going to be throwing like crazy, and teams get the ball a lot more and stuff because it wasn't like the Chiefs were scoring with a 12-minute drive. They were scoring in 13 <laughs> seconds. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's tough way, to judge defense. By the way, I don't think the Chiefs are making the playoffs this year. So, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. I think Pat Mahomes will drag them to the playoffs, and that division's not that good. Yeah, but... All he has now is Kelsey. That's fine. I mean, Hunt's Tom on. Brady's done it with a bunch of garbage. Andy Reid got McNabb to the playoffs with Todd Pinkston. I mean, is he going to throw to Chris Conley every down? He might have to. Because, I mean, Tyreek Hills. They're bringing back uh, Baldwin from Pitt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. But uh, So we'll see on that. But anyway, yeah, uh, I think Justin Lane, you know, if he can – he. He can come in. Uh, I guess ideally, if I don't know how much they want from Nelson, if they want him to be that definite number two, or if they can hope he can eventually be that William Gay role with Lane becoming the on the opposite side. I guess we'll see. Yeah, Jordan, do you have any thoughts on Justin Lane? Do you know anything about a, a Michigan State cornerback? Not a lot. Um, just you know, from Penn State playing them, I've seen him play. Um, he really wasn't being tested because, like, Penn State's out, outside receivers were Jawan Johnson, who just came not run a route. So, <laughs> I mean, he covered him, so. All right. Um, fourth round then, 122 overall pick. They took Benny Snell Jr., the running back out of Kentucky, which I thought was a great fourth-round pick for them because now that will give them uh, Connor Samuels, and then Snell, which I think is a great three-punch in my opinion. Uh, Andrew, what's your thoughts on them picking up Benny Snell? Ah, that's a perfect <laughs> pick. Gives you that old-school third-and-one back, you know, the short down, short yardage back. Uh, you know, take some, take some of that heat off of Connor because it seemed like Connor was dogging a bit in the second half last year. He did get injured and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, and that's to assume we assume Connor's going to at the same level he was last year, but I don't think he's... Well, I've always... I mean, I've always said about James Conner from even Pitt to Steelers, whatever. He's always, in my opinion, played way better than I've ever expected each time. But I've always... Right. Nah, he's not as good as he did last year. And then the mm-hmm. next year he comes out and he does it again. And I'm like, 
Steelers take him. He's not going to be that great. Then he comes out and plays good. I'm like, well, I don't. So he always proves me wrong. I don't know. I never think he's as good as advertised, right. but he proves me wrong. Yeah. Um, Jordan, you got to unfortunately see Benny Snell run on Penn State mm-hmm. in the bowl game. What's your thoughts on Benny Snell? He is a legit back who's a bruiser. He's got decent feet. He cuts pretty well. He's going to be a good back for them. Um, and with the way the NFL is anymore, every team needs two or three good running backs. So mm-hmm. getting one in the fourth, which is probably the sweet spot, is the third, fourth round on the draft for a running back anymore mm-hmm. with their shelf, uh, shelf life. So yeah, and he was consi- he was considered a, a guy that they thought was going to go in the second round. So. No, that's I mean that's that Steelers were shocked he was still there. It's a shame they couldn't get Miles Sanders. Yeah, Mr. Eagles, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey is ordered. <laughs> Um, so the rest of it, then they took um, a tight end, an outside linebacker, defensive tackle, inside linebacker, and um, offensive tackle. Um, do you have any more thoughts, Andrew, for the rest of the draft? I mean, those are guys where time will tell. Um, yeah, so it yeah. Looks like those positions guys, that were needed. Most of them um, are probably going to play special teams. Uh, sure. The tight end might get some time. Although right. they said, I mean, he said he's like extremely raw. They didn't even think he should have came out this year, but he's huge. He's like six eight. All right. So cool. I mean. If he I, can turn in the Gronk in a couple I guess years. I just hope he is a little better than Xavier Grimble, so. Right. Because he's not very good, but. Well, Van, hopefully he can turn in the Yeah, uh, yeah. Good. I mean, he's going to. Vance McDonald is very solid. Tom McDonald's great. Right, and he'll take some heat off, and if he, he can speed the stay at home, that blocking tight end, uh, keep Ben upright, learn in time. Become Gronk. That'd be right. ideal. But, you know, all of these would be <laughs> ideal if these guys became Hall of Famers. But, you know, well, sure. if we can have two of those guys be consistent NFL starters, it's it's a good draft. Sure. Uh, Jordan, the Eagles, what did they do? Is there, what's all the excitement for you, the five Eagle fans that I... I know. Everybody's really going to enjoy this. No, uh, just <laughs> give a shout-out to the Eagles. Yeah. What do you got? They, uh, they took a left tackle, and it's kind of rare in the draft to get an actual left tackle and not a guy that has to come in and play guard right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked at him as a top-ten pick, and they traded up a couple spots to get him, but they got him in, I think, 22, which... Fair pick for them. And second round, I was real happy. Yep. They got Miles Sanders. Nice. I, I was excited. Um, nice. Especially with their running back situation isn't great. I mean, they got Jordan Howard, who's a bruiser, but he doesn't have really much else. But uh, I think Miles Sanders will be great for him. They got a receiver from Stanford that's a monster, but a little raw. So we'll see. I like their top three picks. Um, way too many defensive tackles after that, but it is what it is. Nice. Um, so that's going to wrap up the Steelers draft thoughts. Uh, Andrew, is there anything coming up uh, to watch? I mean, the only thing I'm going to say is please continue to watch the NHL playoffs. The NHL playoffs have been fantastic. Even though the Penguins are out, it makes it much more enjoyable for me because I can just watch and enjoy the games now. We also didn't talk about the NBA. <laughs> um, so the what's the soccer team in Pittsburgh again? Pittsburgh River, River Hounds. Hounds. So the River Hounds would make it on the show a lot more than the NBA would. I assume. We're, right. we're sorry to like you know, all the Pittsburgh NBA fans <laughs> right. that I don't know of. <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen uh, on this show. But um, coming up with the watch, I think NHL playoffs continue to watch that. Um, who the Pirates have coming up in the next couple series? Uh, they finish their series obviously tomorrow in LA with the Dodgers, uh, which would be Sunday for everyone. You know, this will probably go up Monday. So right. Right. So Tuesday, and they're off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, they go to Texas for two. 
play the Rangers and they come home next weekend for three against Oakland. So there's probably another at least three, four losses there. Gotcha. Jordan, do you have anything? Is there anything off the cuff sports-wise that's worth watching right now? Not really. Keep watching hockey. Um, enjoy the playoffs, getting these teams with you know players you might not really know that much about. Right. Watch a play and enjoy the excitement. Um, I mean, the NBA, the Warriors are going to win, so you can watch that. Um, they got tested, though. They did get tested. I don't even know that much. Actually, I don't know that they ended up winning the series. But. Um, <laughs> I, was, I don't even know that much. So. If they didn't, we'll cut it. You're right, way ahead of me. Um, so... Yeah, um, other than that, I don't think there's really much going on. There's not another major in the golf until next month, so I can't go. Go Tiger! It would be the AAF playoffs, but they got shut down. But Rippin No AAF anymore. AAF. Is there any tennis? What do you expect when you have a league carried by Christian Hackenberg? (laughs) Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, maybe we can have a topic about the XFL coming up then in the in, in the future. Then we'll talk about what they can maybe try to do. Um, but uh, first of all, everyone, please remember if you're listening on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, please subscribe, smash the like button, and follow us on Twitter at the Three Rivers Pod, Instagram Three Rivers Pod, and on Facebook, search Three Rivers Podcast for its Facebook page. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Cruz Shoemaker here with the fourth line plug, Andrew Singo. Nice to be here. And our special guest referee for this episode, and hopefully comes back and becomes a regular referee, Jordan Sander. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.